Good evening. Years ago, I was called into ministry um, back oh, when I was probably 21, I think, and um, didn't act on it right away. And my grandfather was a, a minister. He was a, a Methodist minister. My mom did um, missionary evangelistic work uh, when she was young. And uh, so knew a little bit about ministry. And um, I didn't really pursue it, but I went to Pastor Mark, and I was in Oasis at the time, and he put me in some responsibility leadership roles, and so happy, you know, to do that, and I uh, had worked at a couple jobs here, Roberts Brothers, and then worked at Color Tile, and, and had gotten a new job working with Jerry Kameen, uh, Safeguard Business Systems, and I remember the first day that I was sitting in his office and um, he was teaching me the job. I'm sitting in this chair right next to the desk. And, uh, and God kept speaking to me, I want you to work for me. And it seemed like about 20 minutes later, I want you to work for me. And it did another 20 minutes, I want you to work for me. And I knew it was the voice of God. And um, so my mom had kind of talked to me about the, the calling on my life. And, um, you know, and I'm not going to go into that part of the story. But, you know, it was miraculous how God had done that, and it was confirmed, and, and all those things. And um, so she asked me, she goes, do you think that you need to go to Bible college? And I said no, because I didn't like school. I didn't mind going. When I was in 10th grade, the, the counselor called me into his office with my, my mom, and he said, listen, he goes, your attendance is perfect. Your grades are not so. And, you know, I got C's. I was a C student. And I said, I don't mind coming here. I just don't like the test and have to study. I don't mind coming for the friendship and the fellowship and all that kind of stuff, but I don't want to have to study. And um, so I didn't like school. I'd already gone uh, to business uh, college and already been to university already and uh, was out. And then it came this day that as I'm kind of working through all of this and just trying to figure out what it's supposed to be, and I thought maybe just help more at Calvary here. And uh, it came about a year and maybe a couple of months after that, and Jerry came in to the office one day, and uh, he said, I'm sorry, this is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, but in a month, you're going to lose your job. He goes, I'm selling the business. And I really had a piece about it. And Jerry, a good Christian, and, and uh, he said, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm giving you a month's notice. And I said, okay. So I went home after work, and um, I lived on the third floor, had an apartment, and uh, as I'm walking up the stairs, I'm like, you know, I've, I've had to find jobs before. It's not a big deal. And um, as I got up on the, onto my floor, the gentleman across the hall from me was out in the hallway. And uh, we said, hi, how are you doing? Fine, how are you doing? All that kind of stuff. And he asked me, he goes, um, so how's work going? I thought, this is not a question. He and I didn't really talk a whole lot because he worked for the state. He'd come Monday, and he would work. And then, you know, Friday morning, you know, he'd load up his suitcase after work on Friday. He'd head back to wherever he was from, and uh, he was just a, a weak guy. And I did know that he was a uh, Mennonite, and um, that's really about all I knew about him. So as I got up there, he said, how's work? And I said, well... Uh, in a month, I'm going to lose my job. And he goes, oh, he goes, sorry to hear that. He goes, come into my apartment. Never been in his apartment. So I walked in, and I wanted to see if it was any different from my apartment. We were across the hall. His was a little bit better than mine was, but um, 
as they were furnished. And uh, he goes, you know what? He goes, I've watched you. He goes, you need to go into ministry. He goes, you need to go to Bible college and, and go in ministry. He goes, you're, you're a great Christian. I don't, I don't know how he figured that out, just watching me come and go. Um, but that was God speaking through him. And so I was like, I don't want to go to college. <laughs> so I went home, and then my parents were out in Ohio. They were on a vacation, and I called my parents just to let them know I'd be praying. And, I, and my mom said, I know what you're supposed to do. And I said, oh? And I said, what's that? She goes, I'm not going to tell you until you get home, until we get home. I said, no, I'm not going to wait till you get home if you know what I'm supposed to do. She goes, no, just wait until I get home, and um, you know, I'll tell you what I think you're supposed to do. And I said, no, you're going to tell me before we get off the phone. And uh, she goes, I think you're to go to Bible college. <sighs> okay. So I knew what I was supposed to do. I had a piece about that. I really did. When, when you're trying to seek God in something, sometimes, you know, answers will come very blatantly like that, and, and that was really God, and, and God spoke to me about it and gave me direction and, and helped me. And I really knew that that's what I was supposed to do. And I was just kind of fighting it. And I had to get in line with God's will. Ended up after that, I, I picked three colleges that I wanted to go to, Bible colleges that I wanted to go to, sent applications. But I, another thing that I did was I came to Pastor Mark, Pastor MC, and some of the other pastors here on staff, and I said, this is what I want to do, and, and this is where I'm headed, and, and help me with the colleges. And, and I told them what colleges I was interested in. I was, submitted resume or the applications and had great conversations with each and every one of them trying to find the counsel of God and trying to help me to, to work through this process of getting to where I really wanted to be in God's will and having God then speak to me about that. Went to Bible college and uh, many things happened there. But sometimes when we're, when we're seeking God, when we're really wanting to find out what God wants in our life, we have to be open to what God really wants to do in our life. And for me, I was very happy you know, to go back to college, and I did, and got my degree uh, at Bible College, and, and which brings me then you know, to where I am today. So if you'll take out your Bible today, In Matthew chapter 7, 7, 11, as we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, this has been a great study. I hope that you've enjoyed it. I hope that you've taken notes. I hope that God has spoken to you through this series that we are doing through this teaching. And I know it has me, and I've learned a lot. And so let's just stand up tonight. I'll give you time to stretch your legs here. Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your love. We thank you that you speak to each and every one of us. Father, help us to have ears to hear. 
Father, have a heart that's receptive. But Father, it starts with us coming unto you. You have the answers. We just have to come to you. And I pray tonight that you would just touch us to receive your word. Whatever part of tonight that each and every one of us needs, I pray that when we hear that, it would just pierce our hearts. Father, it would encourage us, convict us. Father, it would be what we need tonight. It would be that word that helps us to go. And Father, I pray that you would just continue to touch our youth ministries, touch Dr. Hinckley as he's sharing tonight. Father, bless our children's ministries. Father, help us to be your hand extended in this community. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. You may be seated. There's also a parallel scripture of, these, of this passage. It's in Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13, if you want to read that sometime. So ask, seek, and knock. Jesus now turns to prayer. Last week, Ryan and uh, Tim were sharing about judging, and uh, the scripture's right above this, and then you can see the scripture's right after this that they alluded to was the golden rule. And right in between this, as I was thinking about this, this is kind of a sandwich. You got judging and you got the golden rule, but right in between is the kind of the meat, the prayer. Because if, if you are praying, then God will help you with the judging and God will help you with the golden rule that you treat others like you want to be treated yourself. And um, so that's where we are tonight. Um, but this scripture is used a lot by different people for different purposes. And this is not the first time that Jesus has talked about prayer. If you read in the, the scriptures that we've already gone through in Matthew, uh, he talked about prayer with the hypocrites in chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. If you tell the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like uh, pagans, for they think that they have been heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need of before you ask. And then he goes on. The, the second one that we talked about was the, the Lord's Prayer at the very beginning. Uh, this then, how should you pray? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We're going to hit on that again tonight. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He's talked about prayer twice already in this chapter. He gives us these examples. And here we are given this promise that when we pray, that we will receive. When we pray, we will receive. But in this, it's more than just asking, seeking, and knocking, but understanding the personal relationship that you have with God. And I want to get into that in just a few minutes. So what it is not, what it is not, the asking, the seeking, and the knocking. It's not for us just to go to God and just ask anything that we want, and we're going to get it. That's not the way that God works. It's not just a little simple prayer to receive. God, give me a car. Boom! It doesn't work that way. Now, if it does for you, please come up and pray for me after service. 
It doesn't work that way. It's not a game of hide-and-seek that God wants to hide anything from you. He really doesn't. He just wants to reveal it to you. It's up to us to find it when we open up our eyes, open up our ears and our hearts, and we seek after God. It's not for the benefit of God that we struggle to pray, but for us to draw closer to Him. It's not God that has to change. It's us. Did you get that? It's not God that has to change. It's us that has to change. It's not my will that's going to be done, but it's going to be God's will. And when we seek after God's will and we find it, then we can walk into it. It's not always easy when we're walking in God's will. God is in control, and I need to understand that. It's not about me. It's about God. As I was praying last year, God really spoke that to me. In one of my prayer times, I go out in the morning and I pray and I walk. And um, God just really said, and, I, and I've heard that over and over again. But when God spoke that to me, it really, I, I just had to stop. And I just, I started weeping. And I was like, you know, God, help me with the selfishness that I have inside of me. Help me with that. It's not about me it's about God. It's about God. So it comes time. It is a pressing in. Some of you that are older, you understand that. So what is your prayer life like? What is your prayer life like? Is it five minutes a day? Is it just at meal times? Is it just when you get in trouble? Is it, you know, an hour a day? Do you even pray at all? How do you pray? Are you praying, oh, greatest thou, heaven, Open up to the fathers above, thee thou that is the grace. Do you pray King James or how do you pray? Some people pray when they walk or sit or kneel. There's, your position doesn't matter because they can find all of them in the Bible. But how do you pray to God? I tell people so many times, for me, praying is just like I'm talking to you right now. I don't want to, you know, put on airs with God because he knows one of the, this is how God broke me of that. When I was in uh, Columbia, Missouri, assistant pastor over there, and I don't know why, it just came for a season. <clears throat> We're going through a church split and everything, and um, God started talking to me in the shower. I don't know why, but that's where God was speaking to me. And the first time it happened, I was like, okay. <laughs> now God created me. I was, I was like, okay, I got to get past this, don't I? God doesn't care how we come to him because he already knows. But that, like you said, then it was a day or two later, I'm in the shower again, and God speaks, speaks to me. Like, okay, God, you could have done it when I had my clothes on. I've learned it doesn't matter. God, God wants us to get past all that. He wants us to come unto him like you come unto a child, like you come unto a best friend, like you come unto a spouse. He wants us to come and just find his love and to find out what he wants in our lives. Do you set time aside each day to pray? Do you have a list? Listen, I, I, I say it to myself and I say it sometimes around the church. Prayer is the key because it's talking to God and finding out the one who has the answers. There's different types of praying. Thinking God is a sugar daddy and that I can ask him for anything and he's going to give it to me. 
used to be years ago they'd have name it and claim it the prosperity and people would you know pray and and do all kinds of things had a, I had a friend in Bible college he used to he got in, kind of into this and I knew his story and he kind of he swayed one of the other students to to believe in this so one day I got him aside and I said okay and there was a few other people there at the dinner table and I said, you believe in this prosperity that if you pray for something, you're going to receive it. I said, who paid for you to come to college? I already knew the, all the answers to the questions I was asking him. His parents did. I said, who paid for the car that you have? His parents did. The clothes that you have? Parents did. I said, how many days have you worked in your life? Three. In three different jobs. <laughs> okay, we got a problem here. His prosperity was his parents. And I said, you need, to, you need to lay off this. Now, God will bless and God will touch. God's blessed me financially at different times and helped me and, and uh, all these different things. Yes, I believe God will help with our finances. But it's not for me just to ask God and he's going to give it to me right away. It's not a, not a, you know, name it and claim it kind of thing. The opposite of those who are too timid to go unto God. Are you too timid to go to God and ask him, to talk to him? He already knows. Praying for the wrong things or for maybe selfish motives. Praying to bargain with God. And I've shared that story with you of how God wanted me to give you know, money to my roommate and I bargained with God over pizza. We do all kinds of things. Or praying as Jesus has given us in the Lord's Prayer. How do we pray? There's different kinds of praying that goes on. Prayer is the communication, the connection between you and God. Prayer is the communication, the connection between you and God. The Bible says that he knows the need before we even ask. So why pray? So why pray? He already knows it. Is it for his benefit that we pray? I don't think so. It's for us to go unto him as little children, that we run unto him that he sees that we need him each and every day. That's one of the reasons why you go through problems and situations. It's one, sometimes why I tell people, you know, they go into the hospital. Why am I in the hospital? <clears throat> I said, maybe to draw you closer to God. To draw you closer to God. There's a reason. And you have to find out what that reason is. I need to be in communication with the one who has the answers, the one who's created the world, the one who's created you, who knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what you need. He knows what you need. All I have to do is just align myself to the will of God. So let me ask this. How many of you have ever been on a really small airplane, four or six seats? It's fun, isn't it? Have you ever watched a pilot? I've done this a couple of times. Have you ever watched a pilot? The last time I was in a little four-seater, the pilot had his GPS, you know, up there, and uh, it was a little bit windy that day. And so as he's flying, you know, the view was really nice and everything, but he would watch that GPS. And if he got off just a little bit, he would move the stick a little bit, and he would just realign himself. The same thing is true with our life. And what's the GPS? Is God, the Word of God, prayer, 
worshiping, coming to church, that we align ourselves again, that when we get a little bit off, he straightens us up so that we can continue to go straight. The shortest distance between two points is straight line. And that's what a pilot is trying to do. And so he will always, if you ever watch him, you're in a small plane, he will always be readjusting so that he stays on that straight line. The same thing with our lives. Are you readjusting to stay on the line, the will of God, aligning yourself to what God has for your life? Also in James chapter 4, verse 2, it says that we have not because we ask not. We have not because we ask not. Sometimes we, we don't have things because we haven't talked to God about it. We haven't asked him. I know that's true in my life, and some things that I'm like, you know, I'd really like to do that or have that or whatever, but I don't go and talk to him about it. What is it? If you ever read the, the book, which is a great book, it's called Prayer Circle, and it's talking about praying for different things, and it, it's, that's what the Bible or the book is about about asking God for those things, making a list. It doesn't mean that you're going to get all those things, but it helps you to realign. And maybe some of those things will happen in your life. And pray about them. Pray over them. How can you know what God wants if we don't go and talk to Him? In 1 Thessalonians, it tells us, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. So when should we stop? Never. That's my quick answer. You should be praying throughout the day. God help me as I'm going to work that I can have the right attitude when I get to the work. You know, God help me that I can work hard. And throughout the day, if you get off a phone conversation, you know, with somebody, and this happens a lot of times, you know, I know with me and with other people, is that, you know, say, hey, pray for me. Lots of times I'll pray for them before I get off the phone. But pray for them. So, God, I just I pray that you just touch so-and-so and, and help them. Help them minister to their needs. This morning, um, I received a phone call, and I'd ask you to pray about this. We have a, a friend who's a pastor in Africa. He's from, he, lived, he was born and raised in Africa, in Tanzania, and a great man of God, one of the greatest men of God that I know. He's built probably 25 churches, 30 churches, put pastors in them. He started an orphanage, a school, and all these different things. And my, my family has supported him for years and, and helped buy the property that he has these things on. And um, there's another man, I won't go into all the details, there's another man here, not in Springfield, but in the United States who's also African and uh, who has tried to kill him a couple of times. Um, the gentleman's name is over in Africa, who's the friend of mine. His name is Eugene, and uh, he was poisoned one time and had to go in the hospital. They, didn't, they weren't sure if he was going to make it or not, and it was because of this other man that he was poisoned. And um, so this other man is trying to stop his ministry, trying to stop his ministry. And so as I, I was at the hospital early this morning, and my mom called me on the way to into the, the church, and she was telling me about this, and... Um, it's been going on for a while, for about a month now. And um, so this morning, they had taken away his passport um, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, so today, he was supposed to go back and get his passport. And they arrested him. They arrested him. And it's all because of this guy that's here. He has stirred things up. And so they arrested him. And then I talked to my mom uh, later tonight. 
uh, right before coming here, and she said that he was released, and, they asked, and he finally asked, he goes, why was I arrested? They said, because you didn't have a passport, you didn't have papers, and you're walking around, you're going places, and you're not from here. He said, you had my passport, you had my papers. That's why I was com- he was coming today to get his passport back, to get his papers back to do all those things, and they, they threw him in jail. That's the work of the devil. It really is to stop him from his ministry. And so I'd, I'd just ask you, if you, would, if you think about him, to pray for him uh, tonight before you go to bed. Um, and I've been praying for him all day. As I, if I, as I was driving today, I just touched Eugene. Father, just deliver him for this. And Father, help him to make it through. And just continuing to pray for him. And so, and I even talked to Pastor Mark about it this morning, and Pastor Mark prayed for him, and glad that he's out, uh, still has to work through some things. He hasn't done anything wrong. The only thing he's done is preach the gospel, minister to people. It's, it's a work that this man wants to try and get rid of. So never stop. One of these days we're going to be with God forever, 24-7. Time to, time to know who he is while we're here instead of waiting till you get to the other side. Moses spent 40 days in the presence of God, and look what happened. Wouldn't that be awesome to spend time with God that when you come out of your prayer closet that your face just shines? People say, what's wrong with you? You've been tanning? No, I've been with the tanner, the one who gave us the sun. Yes. Just like any relationship that you have, the more that you talk, the more that you get to know the person. Kim and I, when uh, we got engaged, we were engaged for 13 months and probably saw each other about four or five times for a couple days, and that was it. I was in New Jersey, she was in Missouri, and then I moved back here to Illinois, and she was still in Missouri, and I was here in Illinois. And, uh, but we talked on the phone a lot. Before free long distance, a lot. We got to know each other because we didn't see each other. We had to talk to each other and get to know each other. And it wasn't just, how's your day going? No, we got to know each other. And I think it was one of the greatest things to help us in our relationship that we got to know each other really well because we were talking all the time. She was busy and going to college, and, and I was working a couple jobs. and So we just talked and talked and talked all the time. God knows us, but do we know God? The question is not if God is ready or to give. The question is, are we ready to receive? It's kind of like a baby whenever they're born. We just don't throw them a stake, do we? No, they have to learn how to crawl and then learn how to walk before they can learn how to run. And it's up to us to submit to the Almighty God. It's up to us. So we need to ask, seek, and knock. Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given unto you. Seek, and you will find. And knock, and it will be opened unto you. Let me give you an illustration. Abraham, reading out of Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram, Abraham in a vision, saying, do not, do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. <clears throat> Your reward shall be very great. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? Since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Since you have given no offspring to me, there is the problem. One born in my house 
is this heir, is my heir, talking about this other one from Damascus. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir. This one from Damascus. Well, he's not, he's not the one. Abraham is trying to find the alignment here. And he took him outside and he said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it unto him as righteousness. Abram, he's gone, and he said, listen, you know, God, I, I, you've blessed me. And God says, I want to bless you even more. And he says, but I don't have a child for you to pass this down to the next generation. He's, he's just talking to God like I'm talking to you. And God says, but wait, I'm going to help you align. I'm going to give you a child in your old age. And he told him how it was going to happen. And he says, go outside and then count the stars. Could you imagine Abraham going out? Now, if it was me and I was 100 years old and God said, you're going to have a child and go outside and count all the stars and that's going to be all your descendants, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> I think mean, you got the wrong guy. I don't want to have that many kids. God was helping him to see physically but also then the spiritual. And the spiritual was yet to come. God told him, he goes, you're going to have a child. Now go outside and see the spiritual part of that. Whenever you're talking to God, there's always a physical side and a spiritual side. You have to wrestle through that. Abraham was trying to figure it out, even in his old age. God had it worked out, and Abraham just had to align himself to what God's plan was. Mary, the mother of Jesus, the same thing. Can you imagine when the angel spoke to her and said, you are with child? Now go and explain that one to your parents. Honestly, yeah, Terry's looking at me like, sure, you're lying to me. I'm pregnant. Well, you've been with that Joseph boy, haven't you? <laughs> Mom and Dad, really, I haven't. She had to align herself. And she went through, was it easy on, on Mary? No, it wasn't. She got a lot of ridicule, I have to believe, because of that. That she wasn't married, but she was having a child. Doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. We, uh, we all at times want to know what is right, what's the way, how to handle the situation, deal with our kids, our spouse, work, and, and problems. God has all the answers, and he knows what we need. Our scripture tonight says, ask, seek, and knock. These are action words. They're verbs. And if you look at them, sometimes we can see in the, in the Bible, you know, what kind of word they are. These are verbs, which means that it's ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. You keep going. You keep going. Gideon was one of those who probably used all three of these in this next scripture. In Judges chapter 6, it says, Then Gideon said to God, If you will deliver Israel through me as you have spoken, that was what God was going to do through him. Behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the, fleshing floor, the, fle the threshing floor, and there, if there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry all over the ground, then I will know that you will deliver Israel through me as you have spoken. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and he drained the dew from the fleece, a bowl full of water. God her answer. God said to do this, right? 
Then Gideon said to God, Do not let your anger burn against me. What was he saying? He goes, God, listen, I know what happened. You performed the miracle, but please have patience with me. I'm a little slow. I want to make sure. I want to understand your will in all this. He says, please do not let your anger burn against me that I may speak once more. Please let me make a test once more with a fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece and let the dew on the ground, all over the ground. God did so that night and it was dry only on the fleece and dew was all over the ground. Sometimes when God speaks to us, we have to go back and say, really, God? Is that what you want me to do? It was kind of like going to Bible college. Really, God? Is that what you want me to do? And when we do, God will help us. He kept coming back, and he tried to figure it out. And it's okay. God knows you. I'm not saying do this every single time. You know, and if God says, you're sitting out at the mall, and God says, okay, I want you to go over and talk to that person and share the gospel with them. Wait a second, God. Can I go get my fleece? Let me take it outside. No, we don't have time. Just understand, God knows that you have the words to go and speak to that person. If God says, go and minister to somebody, he knows that you have the talents, the abilities, whatever, because he's given them unto you. God understands our shortcomings. He's created us. We are just like sheep, and the Bible says that sheep are not very smart. Jesus, the same way in the garden. He was trying to figure it out. In Mark chapter 14, they came to the place named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here until I have prayed. And he took with him Peter and James and John, and he began to be very distressed and troubled. This was the Son of God. And he was distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them, and he fell on the ground, and he began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass by him. And he came, and he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, not, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus was trying to figure it out. And he came and he found them sleeping. He said, Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not come into the temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and he prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came back and he found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy. They did not know what to answer him. And he came a third time and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has become. Behold, the Son of Man, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed at the hands of sinners. Get up and let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. Jesus had to work through it. He's like, God, if there's any other way than to go to the cross, if there's any other way let it be done. I'll do anything. He, he prayed three times. He prayed three times. So how much more should we be praying to try and find out the will of God? 
to understand what God's trying to do in our life. The very Son of God is asking, seeking, and knocking of the Father. Though the others couldn't stay awake, Jesus prayed through. Jesus said, not my will, not my will, but yours be done. He didn't want to suffer. He didn't want to be at the hands of man. He didn't want the beating. He didn't want all those different things. He knew that it was not going to be easy. And part of their prayer was for him to have strength to go through. Do you think that God gets tired of us coming unto him? No. He loves it. He loves it. It's kind of like my daughter, right? Now, now that she's at college, I love every time she comes home. This time next week, I'll be with my daughter. She's going to be home for Thanksgiving. Can't wait. Can't wait till we FaceTime. What happened? What did we do before FaceTime? When I can see that beautiful face and talk to her. It's amazing. Same thing with God. He cannot wait for us to get into His presence. Our will must be submitted to God's will. He's the God, he's the God and He has all the knowledge. And we, when we walk in God's will, we'll find peace, we'll find joy, we'll find contentment. If not, lots of times we have heartache and headache. Remember Joseph? Even in all that God was doing in his life, and he did suffer. He went to prison, he was accused, he, you know, sold by his brothers, had all, all the reasons to complain. But he walked with God. And he knew at the end that, as a pastor shared this past week, when Joseph said to his brothers, what you meant for bad, what? God meant for good. We all go through problems. We all go through times of stress or whatever it happens to be. And it's to help us to draw closer to him. Not my will, but yours be done. Jesus told Peter of how he was going to die. Ten of the twelve disciples were going to be martyred. Paul suffered greatly many times in many ways. The things we go through are for us to grow in God. And God is forming us. He's making us. He's shaping us into what we need to be. Just like the story of the potter, Jeremiah 18, the, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will announce to you my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something on the wheel. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. So he remade it into another vessel as it pleased the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Can I, can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as the potter does? Declares the Lord, Behold, like clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Each and every one of us is just a piece of clay in God's hands. If we allow him to mold us into what he wants us to be. Is God dealing with you right now? Is he trying to form you so that you understand his will? Is there something that you want your way in or that you're blaming God for because he didn't answer you? God's working with that. The only way is to ask, to seek, and to knock. And it will be opened. God will give the answer. And I think he gives kind of three answers. 
yes, no, or something else. Like we're working on it maybe later or whatever it happens to be. I've only found those three things. But he will show the way in his time when we are ready, when we are ready, not him, but when we are ready, then he will show us. If you haven't gotten your answer, your peace, your miracle, keep asking, seeking, and knocking, and it will come. It will come. So how can we give? How we give? If you then being evil, how do you like that? Jesus called us evil. The meaning of the word of evil, it's a, it's a kind of a broader meaning, not just, you know, sin. It means to be worthless or broken. Go back to the potter. Go back to the potter and on the wheel. When we understand our state, our condition, how we are compared to God, we don't match up. We fall short all the time. In the light of God, our true wickedness will shine forth. When we talk so many times about being the reflection of God, it's kind of like the moon. If you go out tonight and you see the moon, it's a reflection. The light is the reflection from the sun. Is it as bright as the sun? No. No. And it's the same thing with us. The closer that we get to the sun, to God, what happens? The brighter the reflection. And that's what we need. We need to draw closer to him. We need to draw closer to him. And yet Jesus says that we know how to give good gifts, but you're not like God. Evil is a strong word. It really is. As I was looking at it, I was like, man, really? <laughs> you are evil. We've heard that word so many times used different ways. Jesus gives us a parable on how we do give, though. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? Of a man that has a son, and he asks, give me bread. A good father will not give him a stone. And if he asks for a fish, he's not going to give him a snake. No, the, a real good father will understand that, and he'll help him. Most good parents will never do anything like that. We don't want to harm our children. We care for them. We care for them. Just like your children, when you raised them, when they got close to the stove, what would you do? You stopped them. And there's times when they would come unto you and ask, and we know how to help them with those things. We don't want to see harm come to our children. What Jesus is saying is that even though we know how to give good gifts, we are still not going to escape the designation of evil. Because I know how to give good gifts, good gifts to my children. I know how to raise them. And I think that I've done a good job. But I'm still evil. I'm still evil. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, tells us to be perfect as God is perfect. The sin nature in us, though, it separates us. It separates us. We'll never get us to that perfect level, but we still must try. Understand that he is not calling us into a spirit. He's not talking about a spiritual evil, but he's talking about that we fall short of what God really is, an almighty awesome, unbelievable Father. And He loves you so much. He loves you so much, He has your hairs numbered on top of your head. Can you say that? Now, I might. Omar, 
God's got you pegged. He has no hairs. Omar might be the only one in here. <laughs> he knows how many are up there. Yeah, God loves us so much. And we're just asking, the, the son is just asking for something that we need to survive, and that's food. The father will give it unto him. Just like a good parent, whenever a child comes right before dinner, can I have some cookies? A good parent will say, no. Now, if you let your kids, please forgive me. If you let your kids have cookies before dinner, please forgive me. We didn't let ours have that. After dinner, absolutely. A couple of them. God gives the good gifts. God gives the good gifts. Last point tonight. God is waiting for us. Are you aligned with his will? Have you asked with the right purpose in mind? Have you spent time talking to God about it? Don't think that you can pray one little five-minute prayer and God's going to answer it. Can it happen? Yes. Can it happen? Yes. But lots of times God wants us to spend time with him. There used to be a song years ago, and I used to play it over and over and over again. I miss my time with you back in the mid-'80s. And it's talking about this person that wasn't spending time with God. And it's a song basically talking about God, talking to this person, and it says, I miss my time with you. God wants to be with, have us right there. God knows how to give those give good gifts. Is what we are asking or even good for us to have right now? We need to understand how he gives. We need to understand how he gives. God's greatest gift to us was his son. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved. He loves us that he gave his son. And he doesn't just love us, but he so loves us. He so loves us. And that word so, find in my notes. The word means in this exact way, God loves us. And that he gave. If he gave his son, which is more than what I would give, I mean, I wouldn't give my son. And that's just, I, you'd probably say the same thing. I'd give up my life before I'd give my son. But God loves us so much that he gave us his only son to suffer so that we don't have to. How much of a loving God is that to give us that gift? God gave us. God knows how to give. He knows what we need and when we need it. There are times when he gives us when we don't know what we need. Ever have that? God just bless you. You're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that that's what I needed, but yep, God, you blessed me. He did that when he gave me Kim, my wife. And I, I really, I pray I spent much time before I got engaged. I, I prayed and I fasted about this. And, and um, then when God said, yes, Kim's the one that you're to marry, I prayed and I fasted again because I'm like Gideon. I put the fleece out there. I fasted another three days. And God spoke to me. He goes, yes. 
I wanted to make sure I was aligned with him. One of the best things I ever did after salvation was marry her. And it is for better or for worse. I couldn't have done any better, and she couldn't have done any worse. So, <laughs> you know, I had to, had to lighten the mood there just for a second. God gave us his son. God gave us salvation. God has given us eternity with him. When we walk, when we talk, when we spend our lives showing people who God is while we're here, God is the best giver that you'll ever have in your life. All you have to do is ask him, what is it that you need? What are you struggling with? What do you need to change in your life? How are you going to make it through this week? How should I take care of what has, <clears throat> what has happened on the way to church? God wanted me to ask that question tonight. How should I take care of what has happened on the way to church tonight? And how can I become a better Christian? The questions can go on and on and on. Ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. God loves us and he wants to bless us. He really does. I'm going to pray in just a minute. And I'm going to ask if Ryan and Dawn would just stay around for a few minutes. We've talked about prayer tonight. And I've talked about needs in your life. And if there's something that you want prayer for, we're just going to be down here. And if you want to go, you can go. And if you want us to, to pray about a situation or something, we want to pray for you. We want, to, we want to help you find God's will. So I'm going to ask you to stand, if you will, tonight. After I get done praying, if you, if you need to leave, God bless you. Have a great week. If you need prayer, you can come on down. Heavenly Father, I thank you. You are truly an awesome God. Your word tells us to ask and to seek and knock. And Father, we're to continue to ask and seek and knock. And in that, that helps us to find the will of God to align ourselves. And I pray that you would just minister to each and every one of us. Father, each and every one of us are going through different things right now, and we're asking, we're looking, we're, we got our own problems, we're dealing with issues, and Father, it could be that we're dealing with things that nobody knows about, but you do, because you see everything. You know the need before we even ask. So I pray that you would just bless these who have come out tonight to hear your word to grow in Christ, to be equipped, to go and make disciples, encourage and strengthen them. And I pray that you would speak to each and every one. Father, as we seek your face, that you would answer these prayers. And we give you all praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming tonight. Have a great night.